We're uh, doing the service just a little bit differently here today. We're not going to have a venue moment right now. We're going to save that to the end of the service. So I'm going to jump right into the message uh, this morning. And uh, I uh, pray that it ministers to your heart. I want to thank all of you joining us online today, too. I pray that God would reach into your homes and, and just anoint this time and make it sacred. Um, we live in interesting times, to say the least, right? That's just a very kind way of saying some. We live in times that are kind of tough. Um, every time I go to the gas pumps, I get a little amped up. How about you? And I have to kind of breathe and settle down. Um, and frustration can easily set in, uh, and we can begin to get frustrated and think we need some changes to happen. And we can think some people maybe can do those changes or whatever, some people in power, whatever. But I want to talk to you this morning on a different level. I think that frequently we're the ones that God wants to use to begin to change things. And we're way too reliant on maybe a political position or party or whatever might be the case uh, to, to do that kind of thing. So listen to this for a few moments. God uses those who seemingly have no power. And he uses those ones in a way that drastically change culture. Think about Abraham. He was a wandering Aramean. There's nothing special about him. In fact... Didn't even have a child he was 100 years old. But God took this wandering Aramean and he created nations from him that changed the landscape of our world forever. And we all are wandering Arameans, so to speak, before we find Jesus Christ. He changes our former lives into something entirely new and, and we get a new storyline, uh, so, so to speak. Um, and then he takes his young son, Joseph, Nothing really special about him, but God knew that the severe famine was coming upon the land, so he allows Joseph to be captured and carried off. And the story seems quite sad to start with, but it ends with the sovereignty of God being revealed as he works mildly through this young son, Joseph, to bring salvation to his people, Israel. And then my favorite of the Old Testament is Moses. Moses was pleading with God, don't use me. I'm not very articulate. I'm slow of speech. Send somebody else. Yet God raises up Moses and he becomes probably the greatest Old Testament leader that was revered even to today in Jewish culture. And then we get to David, this great king of Israel, Samuel comes to anoint him king. He's not even present with his brothers. He's just a little guy. He's out watching the livestock. And this young shepherd boy becomes a great king of renown, and he ends up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite Bible characters is Esther in the Old Testament. Think about Esther. She is in a foreign land, and she's in a harem of all things, and she is selected by God to save her people. And because of her great courage and her faithfulness to God, the people of Israel were spared from the destruction intended to be uh, brought upon them. And then think about the 12 disciples. Talk about a crew of unlikely leaders. I mean, they had no qualifications whatsoever, and yet they became world changers. So think about the way God works with the examples I just shared with you. And yet we frequently succumb to this wrong kind of thinking. We think power is brokered through position. It is not, amen? God 
I think, delights in using the unlikely to do his will and his work. And so I want to encourage you today that perhaps the changes that we need in our culture will begin with us. As we step into our God-ordained places and begin to do what God wants us to do. We're still in our series, God's Design for a Well-Lived Life. And we're looking into some of the teachings of Jesus Christ that drastically changed our our world. And we're letting them define for us what a well-lived life looks like. And today we're going to see that Jesus intends for us to experience some pretty fundamental priority changes in our, in our lives as we follow him. And I've noticed in the Bible, it's hard not to notice, but when Christ shows up and he starts ministering to a person, that person's life direction drastically changes. And they no longer live for the same priorities. They live for the uh, kingdom priorities that Christ brings into their world. Um, so let, let me give you an example here to begin with. We're going to go right to Mark chapter 1 and listen to verses 16 through 18 now. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. Other versions say, I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. So the big thought that we're going to pursue today in this message is this. Jesus is a vocation changer. And the follower of Jesus is sent to sow. We often think of ourselves in fairly secular terms. And that's not necessarily wrong thinking. It's just small thinking. We often think, well, I'm, you know, a factory worker or I'm a nurse, or I'm an engineer, or I'm a teacher, or, you know, I'm a a business person, or a student, or whatever. But when Christ enters into your life, he changes your priorities. Look what he did to these two brothers from Galilee. Simon, who's Peter, and, and Andrew, they were fishermen, but Jesus said, you're no longer fishermen. You're following me. You're going to fish for men. And, and, and I think that Christ has in mind for all of us to have a vocation change when we follow him. It's not unique to these apostles. It's for everybody. And I'm not saying all of us need to be somebody like me, uh, a minister paid or whatever. Uh-uh. In fact, most of us should not be this. But every one of us should be a follower of Christ, committed to the priorities of Christ in our life, uh, living in a way that his ways are made known to people around us. Um, not many of us are ever going to be fantastic evangelists, but we're all supposed to be ones who are sent and living on purpose for Christ and scattering and sowing the word of God wherever we go. Every one of us is called to do that. Now, last week, Aaron talked about being sent. This week, I'm talking about being sent to sow. We're sent with a mission to be sowers of the word of God. And By so, I want to make known to you that it's not necessarily that you go out, oh, now I'm going to share the four spiritual laws with this person, blah, blah, blah. No, it's that you go live your life really on purpose with God at the forefront of what you do and being willing just to share quick thoughts and quick truths about Christ as you go throughout your day with those around you. Andy Stanley uh, did a book years ago called Go Fish. And here's what he said about this call on Peter and Andrew's life. He said this, when Jesus called his first followers, 
he had very clear intentions. I will make you fishers of men. He didn't mention refining their characters. He didn't say, I'm going to make you better people, or even say, I'm going to save you from your sins, although he did all those things. But of all the things he could have emphasized, Jesus announced that his primary agenda for those who follow him is to use them to introduce others to their lovingly having their loving heavenly father. It's true in Jesus' time, it's also true in our time. And so Jesus calls us to just look at life differently. It's it's okay to be an engineer. I was one for 15 years. It's okay to do that. It's okay to be a teacher. But if you're a Jesus follower, the priorities within that career will change. The definition of success will change. What you purpose to do each day will become different because you have a different agenda being set for you. And there's opportunities for you to share the grace of Christ with those around you. You begin to do that. That's part of the way you do your life when you understand that the great vocation changer, Christ, has entered into your life and he's changing how you then live and do your life and you're going to have different uh, priorities. And, and, and that's what I'm getting at when we're, we're meant to see ourselves as ones who are sent to sow. We do our lives very much on purpose, and very different from somebody who does not have Jesus Christ. Amen? amen? That was the weakest amen I think I've ever heard. But you get what I'm saying here this morning. So here's a reflection question. Has your vocation been changed by Jesus? And do you see yourself as one sent to sow? Stanley also said in Go Fish, the Christian life is a process of laying down our agendas and taking up the agenda of God in our life. So no matter how you look at it, it's God's agenda for us to be salt and light to our world, to have an external focus, um, to bring the good news of Christ, to bear on our culture. And not only are we to do this in what we're against, but more importantly, we're to do it in what we are for. We are to promote Christ and the cause of Christ and the ways of Christ. Um, now, as I share this, I imagine this is intimidating to a lot of you. Because you're thinking, I'm telling you to go share the four spiritual laws with somebody and to see people saved and to do all that kind of thing. And immediately when I share something along these lines, you know what I visualize? You're all putting up walls. Little phone booths around yourself saying, no, 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 no. I'm not going to listen to this. I can't do this. I'm not qualified. Um, you know, the excuses begin to materialize. I can just envision it. You know why? Because I'm one of you. And you can think, I'm not built that way. People don't like me. I'm not very articulate. You know, Moses said that. Oh, I'm pretty young. Joseph was really young. Well, you don't know my case, you know. Is it worse than Esther? <laughs> I'm just trying to make known to you how this works. So we're going to do something here today that I think is really helpful. We're going to demystify what it means to be one who is sent to sell, what it means to share Christ. I want to demystify that. I want to take it and make it something that you realize is how you're to do life, not something you do every now and then in your life. I want to make this something that you can grab a hold of and say, oh, I can do that. You know why? Because we all can. Because what God calls us to do, friends, 
He always equips us to accomplish. Did you hear that? What God calls us to do, he equips us to accomplish. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at a really well-known parable with you today, the parable of the sower. And in this parable, we're going to discover the dynamics of this new vocation that we're sent to sow. All right? So I'm going to use this. And I, I just want uh, this parable uh, to demystify this whole idea of being sent to sow. But would you do something for me today? And especially if you're at home, do this too. Would you just open your hearts to what God wants to share with you today? Because I can explain this to you and I can make it simple and all that kind of stuff. But if you're not receptive, it's going to fall on deaf ears. So just take a moment and say, God, would you work in me in a special way today? Would you just open my heart to hear what your Holy Spirit wants to, to work in me? In fact, would you bow your heads? We're going to do that right now. Lord God, I want to pray that your Holy Spirit would just make known truths that need to be heard today. And would you create in each one of us today, whether we're listening online or whether we're here in person, would you create in us a receptive heart to hear what the Spirit has to say? In your name, Jesus. Amen. So let's go to Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 1 through 15. I'm going to read this parable of the sower. Listen to this. After Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Harold's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that those seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by pers persevering, produce a crop. So we get to this parable, and it's a great parable. And the normal tendency is to go right to the soils and just focus on why or why not people are receiving the good news of Jesus Christ. That's a mistake. I want us to stand back a moment and say, what are the givens here? Who is this parable directed to and why? That helps us understand then what's being talked about when it comes to the various types of soil. Um, there are a couple of givens. First of all, what is the seed? The word of God. 
okay? It's not about farming here. It's a farming analogy, okay? So the seed is scattering the word of God, all right? That's the seed. This, this, the, the act of sowing is the proclamation then of the word of God to those around us, whether by lifestyle or by words. There's a proclaiming of the word of God, the proclamation of the word of God. And so here's point number one. This is the first given, and this is really important. You who are followers of Jesus, you are the farmer in this analogy, in this parable. Are you hearing that? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, when you read this parable, you are to see yourself as the farmer. You are the farmer in this parable who is to sow the seed that's the word of God into the lives of people. So this is kind of a given. This is the perspective. When we, when we hear this parable, we're supposed to go, oh, okay, I'm the farmer. I'm supposed to sow seed, and the seed I'm supposed to sow it is the word of God. Now, this would be a very familiar situation to those listening since they lived in that, you know, agricultural kind of oriented culture. The, the follower of, of Jesus is to sow Jesus into the lives of others. And that's supposed to have this overriding priority in how we do our lives. Um, we don't grow the seed, though. We don't make it sprout. God makes it sprout. God makes it grow. We're called to witness and to scatter seed only. The results are in God's hands, not our hands. In fact, Paul makes that so clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, where he says this. What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord assigned each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God makes it grow. So who makes the seed grow? God, you don't. What are you supposed to do? Scatter the seed. There's no pressure here. You can't win anybody to Christ. I don't even like to use that language. The Holy Spirit does the work of winning somebody to Christ. We are called to witness and to scatter the seed and to live out loud Christian lives. Making no excuses, just saying what we're doing and throwing it out there. I can scatter seed. Can you scatter seed? Come on now, this is not hard. We can do this kind of thing. And that's what makes us good. It's not like... This is a special group of people only that can scatter seed. We have the seed scatterers over here, and they're special. And the rest of us, we don't scatter seed. No, we're all called to scatter seed. We're supposed to throw the word of God wherever we go in life. We're supposed to have it just kind of prevailing in our lives. It's supposed to be a preeminent thing, and we're supposed to be living an out loud life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and the good news is, you can scatter seed. Right? I'm not seeing a lot of head nodding going on here. Amen. You can scatter seed. We can all scatter seed. We can all talk about the ways of God and what he's done in our lives without apology, without shame, without hesitation. We can all do this. It just has to become something that becomes part of our lifestyle, part of our identity in Jesus Christ. This series is on identity in Jesus Christ. And part of our identity in Jesus Christ is simply this. We are seed sowers. We are sent to sow seeds. That is what we do, and the results are up to God, but we are sowing wherever we go with our lives. By the way we live our lives, by the, what the words we use, and the way we treat other people, we are sowing seeds constantly.
constantly. Listen, this isn't hard. Let's demystify this. If you're working someplace and you're just kind to people and you treat them like decent human beings, you will probably be different. It's that easy. And that's sowing seed. And people will ask you, why are you different? Then you just say, I love Jesus. Leave it at that. You don't need to explain it. You don't need to justify it. You sow and scatter seed. It just becomes the way that you do your life. I can scatter, you can scatter, we can all scatter. Can you remember that? It's easy to remember. So, sowing seed is not something that we work ourselves up into doing as much as it's something that we begin to live out as a normal lifestyle. Uh, it becomes something that defines who we are, which brings us to point two, be faithful to sow seed, but realize that there are, are different results depending on the receptivity of the soil. So we're called to be faithful, to scatter the word of God, to live our lives in a way that, that is, it, it makes known that we follow Jesus, but realize that that will fall on different kinds of soil. And the receptivity varies, and the results will vary accordingly. A point of prayer that I have made in my life is to pray for people's receptivity, even yours on Sunday mornings. I pray, God, change stony hearts to hearts of flesh. Take stopped up ears and unstop them and make them able to hear what you have to, to say. Because you know what? Until a person is receptive, it doesn't matter what you say to them. And so my prayer centers on that kind of thing frequently for people. Just grace people, Lord, to hear your words, to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit, to have a heart that's malleable and, and that can be touched uh, by you. Now, as soon as Jesus concludes his parable on the sower, he doesn't take a break like our Bibles do. He, he continues on. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a jar or sticks it under their bed. They put it on the lampstand so that it can illuminate and people can see by it. He's telling you and I how we sow. He's just got done with the parable of sowing the seed. And he says, here's one of the ways you sow. Let your light blaze, man. Don't hide it under a jar. Don't put it under a bed. Let people know who you are. And then he goes on in, in Matthew uh, chapter 5, in, in verse 16, and he explains further what this light's all about. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and um, praise your Father who is in heaven. And so part of the sowing thing that we're talking about here just has to do with living an out loud life for Christ and just not hiding it. And can't we all just do that? Isn't it kind of a change of mindset? See, we've been just taught so much in culture to just avoid religious topics. I'm not telling you to be religious. I'm telling you to love Jesus Christ out loud. Amen? You see the difference there? And just be willing to just live for him. Let his ways dictate how you do life. Every now and then when somebody wants to know, I tell them. But be a demonstration of Christ wherever you find yourself. If, I just think about this. If we had a couple thousand people from our church doing this, really doing this, do you think that would affect Brookings at all? What do you think? Amen. Drastically it would affect Brookings. 
So let's talk about the four responses that we see to the seed scattering here in this parable. Um, first, some fell on the path. And we're told the message of salvation does not even germinate there. Uh, the devil just snatches it right away. Uh, to use the farming analogy, birds eat it, animals eat it. I don't know about you. It seems like when I plant gardens, I do battle with deer and rabbits. Anybody relate to me on that? They, and I didn't know they love hostas. Hostas are deer food, evidently. So I plant a lot of expensive plants to watch the deer munch on them. So, you know, um, at any rate, the, the, the seed that falls in the path doesn't even have a chance to take any kind of root. It's just gone. Um, that heart is not receptive. It's not open. It's snatched away. Then there's the rocky soil. Some seed falls on the rock. And the root doesn't penetrate. There's no moisture there. So initially it looks like it's growing and then it quickly withers. Um, this explains a lot of people's experiences. You see people come and they're really excited about Jesus initially. But then a trial comes. And it's just too hard and they fall away. You know why? Because a trial identifies. Have you really given your life to Christ or not? And oftentimes that reveals where they're really at and that it was just superficial. And it's sad and it breaks my heart when I see that. But this explains why that happens. Now, some of you might think, this farmer just throwing the seed, isn't that kind of wasteful? Well, they plowed it under after they threw it. So they farmed a little different. They would scatter the seed, then they would turn it under. And some of it would fall on a path before they could even get to it. It's gone. The birds would just eat it. Others would fall along on the rock and it would never really get pushed into the soil, and it wouldn't have the root system to sustain uh, the growth. Now, I want to do a little bit of a demonstration for you today. So, um, I'm thinking you're probably all up to this. Um, I did this years ago when I first came here to Grace Point. Some of you will vaguely remember it if you have good memories. Most of you weren't here at the time, so this is all brand news, uh, news to you. But I think there's a, a, a problem in the way we're presenting the gospel a bit that leads to what I would call the path and the rocky responses more than often than, than they, they ought to. So let's say that you're going to take a plane flight. You're going to go on some trip. You have to get on the plane, okay? It's my story. I make up the rules. This plane, they know it's going to crash. And you may say, well, why would you get on the plane? Again, my story. You have to get on the plane. So you're getting on this plane, and you're being greeted by the stewardess as you get on the plane. And the stewardess are, are kind-hearted people. So what they're doing is they're giving every passenger a parachute. This is not a parachute. This is a backpack, but let's pretend. Okay, so they're giving every passenger that gets on a plane a parachute. Now they say to some, you need this parachute. It'll be good for your life. It'll, it'll benefit you, and you'll be more prosperous, and you'll do better. And they hand them the parachute passenger puts that on, right? To some other passenger, so the stewardess says this, I got a secret. This plane is going to crash. Don't alarm the other passengers. You need that parachute because when you're falling from 10,000 feet, you'll be glad you have it. So they tell some passengers that. They tell other ones, it's for your prosperity's sake, Okay. Now, some of you who are astute already see where I'm going with this. So I don't know about you, but I've done some of these plane flights, a lot of them in my day. And um, I think they have designed planes on purpose to be as uncomfortable as possible. 
just to make it a miserable trip. So you want to deplane really quick. So this is my experience on a plane. I don't know about you. I never sit up in the front. That's part of the problem. I always get way in the back by the toilet where the seats are about this far apart. And you get in there like this, right? And I got this backpack on. And this person, of course, is going to do this. Right? Like, hi there. You can just, you know, you're that close to them. It's uncomfortably close. I don't know about you, but I don't want to even just wear a face mask. I want a gas mask when I'm on a plane. When they said you have to wear a face mask on planes, I'd say, hallelujah. Because I felt people spitting on the back of my head when they cough. And after you have that experience a couple times, man, I just want to put a full suit on. Duct tape the hand. I'm, oh, you get what I'm saying here, right? Because I don't want... So, so, just imagine you're on this plane flight and you've got this backpack on and you're, you know, doing the thing, right? And I'm wearing this because it's supposed to make my flight better. It's going to be good for me and it's going to be... Pros- after a while, I'm going to go, man, this is uncomfortable. What am I going to do? Take it off. I'm going to throw it down. And if the waitress, waitress, stewardess comes by, same thing. Oh, don't, don't. If you're a stewardess, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. So if they come by and say, you need to put that back on, I'm going to say, no, it's, 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 a, it's uncomfortable. I don't want that on. And see, we present Christianity this way. It's something that's going to make your life better and more comfortable and all that. I'll get back to that. But if I'm a passenger in the know, that this plane is crashing, guess what I'm doing? I'm hugging this baby. I'm loving on this thing. It isn't going to leave my precious grip. It's there. And I'm wearing it no matter what happens. Because even if you ridicule me for wearing this thing, I know the plane's crashing. And when we're falling from 10,000 feet, we'll see who's laughing at that moment. As my parachute works and yours is laying in the plane someplace, you're not doing you a lick of good. Now, here's what I'm trying to say with this whole thing when it comes to um, Christ and following after Jesus. If you present Christ as just as comfortable, make your life a little bit better, motivational kind of thing, guess what happens? It's not comfortable. It's stretching and challenging, and soon we get frustrated and we throw it aside. I have never been so uncomfortable in my life as by some of the things that Christ has asked me to do. If I had my way in life, I'd live up north someplace all by myself in a cabin. That's what I would do, because I just love that kind of thing. I can be alone for days on end, and I don't even start talking to myself yet. I, I, I don't mind, but... I'm, I'm called to sow seed and called to rub shoulders with other people. And it doesn't matter if you're comfortable or not about it. That's, that's what Christ has for you. And I know we, we are on this planet called Earth. It's coming to an end. It's not a plane ride that will never end. It's a plane ride that will crash. We will all die someday if Christ doesn't return first. We are all going to face that moment of death. Will you have your parachute on? Will you be trusting in Jesus Christ? And that, that, if we don't present it rightly, which I think happens a lot, and it's even unintentional, we want to make it palatable and easy for people to be Christ followers, it's the hardest decision you ever make. It's the best decision you ever make. There's nothing easy about it. It's usually not very comfortable. Right? But it's so good because I want a parachute. How about you? 
because I know we're going to die. I've seen a lot of people pass away. You know, the one unique part of my, my life being a minister is the privilege of watching people die. And I'll tell you what, in the last days, people aren't saying, I wish I made more money. I wish I bought a bigger car. None of that talk ever comes up. What comes up always is, I'm so glad I know Jesus. And the ones that don't are so terrified. And you're praying like crazy, just receive them, just receive them, just receive Still got time to put the parachute on. Right? So, at any rate, perhaps we have more rocky and um, path situations because we're not presenting the gospel right. I just wanted that to be food for thought. Now, the next, um, the next situation we get to is the one of thorns. And that's a little bit different from, from the rocky soil, which is more about adversity taking away the message of Christ. I think when it comes to thorns, the word is heard, but worries and riches and pleasures choke it out. There's distractions that take it away. Not necessarily adversity, but distractions. Do we live in a world of great distractions? Yeah, we do. My goodness, look at all these things that seek to distract us. I mean, we get all this focus on financial situations, and it is kind of tough right now. I'd be ready to admit that first and foremost. It's a big issue going on right now. And then you got all this emphasis on looks and skinny bodies right now, sort of, and some of those things as being these great pictures of health. There's this huge amount of focus on, on sexuality going on. There's this focus on riches and pleasures. And man, if you're a kid right now, I mean, if you're a parent of kids, I should say, there's so much pressure on you to have your kid in every activity under the sun. Got to get them into soccer and to softball and to baseball and to whatever you do for an activity kind of thing and all these clubs and, and pretty soon you're just running yourself ragged. You think, well, I don't want to miss out. They might not develop right. They will develop fine. I just want to say, breathe. The best gift that you give to your kid is being a, a good mom or dad and one who loves Jesus Christ. That's the best gift you'll give to them. Most of your kids won't be all-star basketball players. They won't go on to play hockey after high school. They won't play Major League Baseball. They won't play Major League Soccer. So what they're doing there is just having some good time of exercise, amen? Keep it in perspective. You know, these distractions, if we're not careful, we can raise up a bunch of narcissistic, self-centered kids because we've been so busy trying to make life all about what they need to do and be really good. Don't do that to them. That's not going to help them, and it's not going to mature them into the adults they need to become. Instead, just love them in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let them do so. I was in seven sports one summer because my mom thought, just get out of the house because you're annoying me. So, you know, I mean, and she was right. I just super active kid. Nothing wrong with that. But they didn't come to one of them, one event. I'm still okay. There's no long-term bruising here in this boy. All right, you can take that for what it's worth. But listen to Matthew 6, 27. It says this. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? I say that verse to myself all the time. Who of us by worrying can add a single hour to our life? I tend to be a little bit of a worrier. Anybody relate to me on that? And I think I say this maybe four or five times a day to myself. Who by worrying can add a single hour to our life? What's good? Doing me any good? It just getting me stressed out and probably actually taking away hours of my life instead of adding anything to my life. So in summary, 
we got to realize most of the people that we share with and most of the people that we scatter the seed to are what? They're going to reject it. Does that make you feel good? Well, it's not supposed to, but we still faithfully sow the seed and realize there's going to be different results depending on that person, whether they're a path person, whether they're a rocky person or a thorn person. But the good news is there's good soil. And this is receptive soil that yields a crop a hundred times more than what is sown. So we sow the word, we sow the word, we sow the word, we leave the results up to God. That's part of our DNA as a follower of Jesus Christ. The application simply is this for this message. Just scatter the seed, scatter the word of God wherever you go. Just make it a practice to live your faith out loud without any explanation or excuses or whatever you want to put in there. Just live it out loud. And Jesus notes, some of this will fall in the good soil. And man, it'll produce a crop a hundredfold of what was sown. So let me give you a little bit of a math uh, kind of perspective here on this. So say I'm just scattering the word of God wherever I live. I just kind of live it out loud. And I brush shoulders with 100 people, let's say, over the course of a couple weeks. And seven people hear that word. And it drastically affects their life and they become Christ followers. How many don't become Christ followers out of the 100? 93. Now, if you're taking a test and you get seven right out of 93, do you feel good about yourself? No, and therein lies some of the problem. When we start taking the results upon us and start owning something we are not meant to own, it can become very discouraging. But seven people received it and their lives have been changed. Now, let's say those seven people, I'm using seven because it's a godly number. Some of you know what I mean by that. So anyway, we won't go into that. Seven, seven people now have become different because of just scattering the seed. Let's say they scatter seed to 100 people each over the next few weeks. And they're the same results as I had with them. Now how many people do you have following Christ? 49. You have a lot not following Christ. I'm just going to say that. But you have 49 following Christ. Now let's say those 49 do the same thing. They just live their life out loud and they just tell people about Christ and whatever and, and they're just not ashamed of the gospel. They have the same results. Now we have 343 following Christ. Now, let's say those 343 do the same thing. They all just gather the seed and live their life out loud for Jesus Christ and it falls where it falls. Now out of that 343, we have 2,401 people following Christ. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? And you see, this is why it's important for the body of Christ to own this scattering seed. It's not just for a select few. It's not for pastors only. It's not for apostles in Jesus' time. This is part of our identity in Jesus Christ. We're the scatter seed. We're the scatter seed. We're the soul of the word of God. We're supposed to live the word of God out loud. And people uh, will respond whether they're rocky soil or pathway soil or thorn soil or good soil. They'll respond accordingly. That's not our job. That's what God does. We're to sow. Are you seeing where I went with this? So let's talk about ways to sow and then I'm going to wrap it up. We're going to finish up here this morning. Here are ways to sow. Because people are wondering whenever I share something like this, so what do I do? Do I have to stand in the corner and hand out tracts? No, please don't do that. I don't think that helps. I, I, maybe somebody... 
Maybe. Okay, I don't want to say. But here's, here's what I think is super effective. And this worked for me really well. Uh, and still does. Give God the glory in your life. Just be quick to give God the glory. Every now and then, and I say this jokingly, it just slips out for me. I'll be in a place that's not church, and someone will say something, and I'll say, well, praise God. And they'll look at me, and I'll go, oh, we're at Walmart, sorry. <laughs> I forget, we don't praise God here. No, I'm just joking with that, but that, but it just slips out. I'll just say it, because I say it so much. I'll, I'll, someone will say something to me, and I'll just say, praise God, or, you know, may God be glorified. And I do get a strange stare, and I think, oh, yeah, right. Uh, but just let it, let it, let it go. Just be willing to give God the glory. I remember doing this big machine at 3M and God gave me so many supernatural answers to problems on that machine that it became this experiment, this grand, grand interaction with God that changed my life forever. I can't tell you how much it changed my life. And I remember my boss saying, what did you do different? And at that moment, I remember God distinctly saying to me, Will you give me the glory or will you take the glory? And I remember saying to Bob Linker, and that was my boss at the time, I said, God gave me answers to prayer a lot here. And I need to give him the glory because some of this wasn't me. And he just looked at me and said, I'm a Christian too. I never knew it worked like that. Will you give God the glory? Sometimes we just simply need to give God the glory. And that's a great way to sow seeds. Secondly, speak God's truth and love. Please hear the linkage truth and love. If you speak God's truth without love, you're a battering ram. And usually that puts up a wall of resistance. Speak God's truth and love. Have the best intentions for the person you're sharing with. Speak to them truth, but do it for their benefit, not because you want to make a point. You get the difference there? Speak truth in love. And sometimes, you know what, we have to get so amped up. I think I see people do this. They have to get so amped up to share something about God that by the time they share, they're so amped up, it comes across very combative. You know what I want to say to you all if you have that problem? Breathe. Just settle down. Don't make it that big a deal. Speak it with a kind-hearted voice. And don't make it this ballistic kind of big event. Just speak God's truth and love. Let your light shine before people. We've already talked about this. Jesus kind of uh, made it known what, what sowing was about because right after he says the parable of the sower, where he shares that, he says, let your light shine before people. Don't put it under a jar. Don't put it under the bedstand. So what he's saying is part of the way that you sow the seed is simply by letting me shine through you and affect others around you. Be kind to them. Be gentle with them. Say things. I remember I distinctly uh, distanced myself from other people when I worked um, in the secular workforce just because I didn't swear. So if you swear, you may want to stop doing that. I didn't swear. When people would talk to me frequently, I would look at them. By the way, there is this joke about engineers, you know that. You know what the difference between an out outgoing engineer is and one who's more introverted? The outgoing engineer shares that the other person's shoes. The introverted one shares theirs as his own shoes. All right, that's a terrible joke. But anyway, it's a dad joke. It is a dad joke. I'm sorry to put you guys through that. Um, let your light shine before people. Again, it doesn't, it's not these momentous big things. Sometimes it's so simple. You say hi. 
You acknowledge that they exist. When they say something, you go, okay. Now, I'm going to admit to you, I'm scatterbrained. And sometimes I think, oh, tune in. I'm not listening at all here because I'm just built like that. So I kind of wander in my own little world. And sometimes I like to poke and do things and have fun. That's not necessarily funny, except for me. I think it's funny. Um, so let your light shine before people. Try not to be too annoying. Amen? That's what I'm saying there. And then be ready to give an answer for all that ask about the hope you have. When you live differently, sometimes someone will say, what's up with you? Why are you different? They don't need an eight-point sermon to say, I love Jesus, or Jesus has affected my life this way. Leave it at that. They'll ask you more questions. Trust me on that. They'll, they'll, they'll come back. They'll want to know more. Just live it out loud and give an answer for why you live it. This is the way the soul. Can we do this? Can, anybody, can everybody do this? The point I'm trying to make here today is we can all be scatters of the seed. We can all do these kinds of things. It's not complicated. Let's quit making it hard. So I'm going to stop there because I'm running out of things to say. So let's pray. Let's pray, all right? Let's just pray and be done here. And while we're going to turn it over to these guys um, and sing, sing a really good song. But let's, let's pray. Look, God, I want to pray that every person at Grace Point, everyone listening online today, that we would see that we can be one to scatter the seed that we can sow the word, that we can be these ones who are sent to sow. Lord, we just love you and praise you, and we want to make that known to others around us. And it's interesting that when you called your apostles, your disciples, you called them all to be sent to sow, that they would come follow you to become fishers of men. And Lord, I, I know that that calling hasn't changed the Great Commission. We're, good, we're to go make disciples of all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you say you're going to be with us to the end on this very endeavor. So, Lord, I just pray that we would not see this as something too big for us, but rather a lifestyle to embrace as a follower, part of our identity in you, Jesus. So just grace us, would you, to be one to scatter the seed, to share a ready word on you, to give you glory, give you praise, to live light differently, to let our light shine, and to give an answer when people ask for the hope that we have in you. I pray that we could do this by your grace and by your filling of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, empower us to do this, I pray, and make it effective, I pray. In your name, Jesus, amen.